So Jesus said, those who have his commandments and keep them, love him. And those who love him will be loved by him, and he will manifest himself or reveal himself to them. That's how we experience Jesus' love for us. When he, asked, when he was asked how he would do that, how he would manifest himself to them and not to the world, Jesus said that he and his father would come and make their home with them, his disciples. How would they make their home with them? By way of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the divine trinity. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. What was Jesus saying there? He was speaking of course, of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the divine Spirit, the Spirit of God himself. And spirits, of course, are generally invisible to humans. And, but, but, uh, but they are also, you know, to the humans of the world, but also invisible to even Jesus' disciples. And Jesus said... Uh, as we know in last week's gospel, God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. So his disciples has, have to worship him in spirit as, as well as in truth. But unlike the world who cannot see or know the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth can be known by Jesus' disciples. How so? Because of Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, how was the spirit of truth dwelling with Jesus' disciples already? He was dwelling with them in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus revealed the divine spirit of truth in the flesh to his disciples. John 1:18 says, no one has ever seen God the only son who is at the father's side, he has made him known. That's what Jesus did. But soon, Jesus was going away. The same uh, divine Holy Spirit that was in Jesus without measure had to be in his disciples very soon. He was going to take up residence in the disciples very soon. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus himself and his father were coming to take up residence in his disciples by way of the Holy Spirit. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, Jesus said, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So it was going to now be working from the inside out, not from the outside in, uh, the way it was when Jesus was with his disciples. Now he was giving his Holy Spirit 
within them. He was taking up residence within them, so it was going to work from the inside out. And as Jesus said, the way that way was more beneficial for his disciples than the former way. And he said it was, it was good that he was going away. And of course, that was, that was important because Jesus was physically going away from his disciples. And it's still very important today because Jesus, of course, is still physically away from us, his modern-day disciples. So we need the Holy Spirit in the same way that they needed the Holy Spirit to teach us all things and to bring to our remembrance what Jesus said. That's how Jesus is manifested to us today. That's how we experience Jesus and his Father's love for us. Now, how does Jesus experience our love for him? Well, he tells us it is in our obedience to him. When we obey what, what he teaches, when we obey what the Spirit teach us, teaches us and brings to our remembrance, that's how we remain in right relationship with Jesus, that and worship. And of course, we are very blessed to have Jesus' words recorded so that we can know them and obey them. The people of the apostles, Apostle Paul's time, the, uh, the people that he evangelized in different parts of the world didn't have what we have, for instance, in the Gospels as we can access them and read them today. These communities had to wait for the Gospels to be recorded, to be written down and, and distributed to them. But God was faithful to give these communities his Holy Spirit. And sometimes when I read the book of Acts, I'm actually jealous of how active the Holy Spirit was in those days. I love reading those stories like the one we read in Acts today, how the Holy Spirit directed the early church in the book of Acts. Can you imagine being directed by the Holy Spirit um, like that today? And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I feel that I'm not. And uh, Paul and, the, and Silas, for instance, were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Um, that was Asia Minor. And it was not that the Holy Spirit didn't want the gospel preached to the people there. He did. It was simply not time yet. In fact, if we read on in Acts, we would find that Paul later on left Priscilla and Aquila there, who shared the gospel um, with a fellow called Apollos, and together they were used greatly of the Lord before Paul even returned there. And, um, and when Paul did finally return there, he not only preached the word, but he also trained many preachers there in Asia Minor, um, what could, in what could be regarded as the, one of the first, I guess, the first Bible school, um, New Testament Bible school anyway, in that part of the world. And we can read about that in Acts 19, if you'd like. So, and that, and that of course, too, Asia Minor is where the seven churches of Revelation um, were eventually planted, uh, those churches that we went over a few months ago. Um, but it wasn't time right for the gospel to be shared for some reason right then uh, by the Apostle Paul in, in Acts 16. 
And we read on in, in Acts first, 16, verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. It doesn't tell us how they knew that they were not permitted by the Spirit, but they did know and they, that they were not allowed to go there. So they simply went in another direction. They went down toward Troas. It would be kind of difficult, I think, to live like that today for most Christians, but that was what it was like for those who were called to be evangelists then and to be church planters. And that is what it's like, actually, to be led by the Spirit. As Jesus told Nicodemus in, in John 3.8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. He said, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit, or born again. And if you are not willing to live like that, uh, that is, if you're not willing to live in obedience to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, to go and do what He tells you to do, perhaps you should question whether or not you were truly born of the Spirit. Disciples of Jesus have to live doing what they understand the Lord's will is for them all the time. And they have to have the, the communication lines, of course, then always open to the Lord. Sometimes, as in the case of the disciples planning to go to Asia Minor, as we saw, the Lord's will was different than what the disciples had been planning. Uh, they had to be flexible, and sometimes it is that way with us and our plans. We must be open for change. Are the communication lines open to the Lord for, for change? Have we obeyed the last thing that the Lord told us? You know, if not, I think it's not likely that he's going to tell us to do something else, uh, at least until we obey the last thing that he told us to do. And I wonder how many Christians have that issue, how many Christians feel that the Holy Spirit is not doing his job, not manifesting Jesus in the way that he should be, not teaching them the way he should be, not bringing back to their memories what Jesus has said. Well, it's not the Holy Spirit. You can be guaranteed it's, it's probably you. And you have to ask yourself, well, I'm sure it's you. Yes, it's not probably. Uh, you have to ask yourself, what did he tell you that you did not obey? And go back in your mind to the last time you heard the, the, the word of the Lord, the last time the Holy Spirit put a finger on something in your life and see, did, did I obey? Go back in your mind and make it right and then he'll speak again and guide you into the next place. But it's not always like that. Of course, sometimes uh, it's not the sin of disobedience that's blocking the way of communication with the Lord. Sometimes we just don't understand what the Lord's doing. We're confused. We see things different than what we think they should be. And it doesn't make sense to us. And we just have to wait a while and seek direction from the Holy Spirit in prayer. Just wait and pray when that happens. And then uh, when we do that, the Spirit will come through. We, don't, we cannot say when, but in time, He will guide us with a word or through a circumstance 
or through another person or through a dream or a vision as, as we read in, in our passage in Acts. I'll keep reading in verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately, Luke writes, we sought to go to Macedonia. So I'm sure Paul shared this with Luke, who he was, who he was traveling with, and, and, uh, and Silas. And they con concluded uh, that the Lord had called them to go and to preach in Macedonia. Therefore sailing from, verse 11, therefore sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Sumathras, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. So again, nothing happened right away. Uh, remember, they, um, they waited for that, for that vision, that vision that directed them to Macedonia, and then they went to the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and even when they were there, nothing happened for some days. Maybe the Lord wanted to, them to just uh, walk around and get a feel for the city. Maybe he wanted them to pray for a time, meet some of its people, learn a little bit about them. Whatever it was, it wasn't time, but then when the Sabbath came, um, Paul and Silas uh, did what Jews did when there was no synagogue in, in a certain town. They went to the riverside to pray and to worship God. Verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Why the women? Well, probably because they generally pray more than men, but uh, generally, I said. Um, I, I never met anyone who actually prayed as much as my, my grandma, Nickel. Um, and uh, yeah, and women are generally more social too, and, and that's how, uh, that's how it is in a lot of churches, church meetings, and especially in prayer meetings. And, and thankfully, there's a good mix in, in our prayer meeting of males and females. Not too many people, but at least we have a good mix. Um, but <laughs> um, not, um, I mean, so, uh, going on in verse 14, Luke writes, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. So they were obviously talking about Jesus and, and here in, well, the, the, the word uh, heard in the Greek, in this, uh, this word heard is akuo, and it means uh, more than just passively hearing. It, it means that she paid attention to them. She, and she understood and she obeyed uh, what they were saying. She obeyed the word. Luke goes on, she was a seller of purple uh, from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. In other words, she was already a, a God-fearing uh, Jewess and uh, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things 
spoken by Paul. So the Lord did the heart work in her to open her heart to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and that has to happen with, with everyone. We can talk about Jesus all we want, but the Lord is the one who has to do the opening of the hearts uh, to, so that they will, other people will heed the things that are spoken about Jesus. We must go and we must pray and we must speak, but that's all we can do as far as the gospel goes. The Lord has to do the opening of hearts. And the question is, are we willing to do our part in obedience to the Lord? And I want to tell you that we have opportunities. We should pray for opportunities, but every once in a while we get opportunities presented to us as a church. And, uh, and on Saturday, June 4th, the Lakeside Heights Baptist Church here is having their big give event once again. They had it last year and I think the year before. Um, and, and they are hoping that we will join them and help out at that event. They're going to set up a tent for prayer and for sharing the gospel, as well as uh, what they're doing with, with their bike fixing clinic and the barbecue and, and everything else and giving away uh, of a lot of different items. But they're also giving uh, us the opportunity to to pray and to share the gospel. And we have daily breads and Gideon Bibles to give away as well as we do that. So we should start praying for that event even now and, and pray for open hearts and, and, and be obedient. If the Lord puts it on your heart to be a part of that, you certainly have to respond and be a part of that. And please pray for uh, a funeral that I'll be doing uh, sharing out that same day and Maria actually has a conference that she's going to be leading in Toronto that same day so we're going to be a busy a busy bunch but uh, but there's opportunities to share the gospel and and we have to pray for those open hearts and not only pray for those who are sharing but share the gospel yourself so back to our passage verse 15 and when she, that's Lydia, and her household were baptized, she begged the saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us, uh, says Luke. So her and her family were, were all saved. But isn't it wonderful that these later disciples of Jesus, these were not the original disciples of Jesus, these later disciples of Jesus who became uh, that only after Jesus was uh, crucified and rose again and ascended, after Jesus was gone, these new disciples were obedient to the Holy Spirit in the same way that the original were. And they waited and they went where the Lord guided them. Even though Jesus wasn't physically with them, he was guiding them by his Holy Spirit. And then they simply prayed and they sat down and they spoke sharing, uh, sharing Jesus with the women who were at the river and, and they got results immediately from, from Lydia, from the Lord opening her heart. They didn't overanalyze the vision that Paul had had or, or wait for a man like the one in the vision to appear before they actually went and spoke. No, they did what they understood best and they did what was quite natural to them. And that's all that was needed. They went and they spoke and Lydia heard 
and she was open to the gospel. She was a worshiper of God already, but she hadn't heard of Jesus Christ yet. And she responded, and God saw to it that, that she heard and responded to the whole gospel when the Apostle Paul delivered it to her. The Holy Spirit was obviously already at work in Lydia's heart, and she and her whole household were baptized. And that was the beginning of God's work in, in Philippi of Macedonia, and, and maybe even in, in Thyatira of Asia Minor as well, as that is where Lydia was from. And we know that the church was eventually established there in Asia Minor. Now, it wasn't simple from there on in. If we go on in Acts, we didn't read the next part, but I, I went ahead there. Uh, and it wasn't easy. There was a demon-possessed girl that made money for her masters. And, and Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, set that girl free. But that angered her masters because they couldn't make any money off her again anymore, I mean. And they had Paul and Silas arrested and beaten and put in prison. Now you might ask, well, how could that happen when they were being led by the Holy Spirit in such a, a great and, and intimate way? How terrible, no? Well, guess what? A jailer and his family had to be saved in Philippi as well. And they probably didn't go down to that river on Sabbath days like, like the others. And that was how God arranged to save this jailer and his family. That, uh, that situation that uh, Paul um, cast out that demon, those fellows got mad, they had him arrested and beaten and put in prison. And it's a good thing that Paul and Silas understood that sometimes they would be asked to suffer for the gospel just as their Lord Jesus Christ did. Because they understood that. They were not discouraged in that dark jail, in stocks, and all bruised from the beating they had taken. And they were praying and singing hymns to God while the other prisoners listened in the darkness. It's good that they understood God ways, God's ways were not always what they would have chosen personally because understanding that, they could go on and pray and sing worship songs to God, even in that circumstance. And God, of course, responded. God responded with an earthquake. That could have actually released them, but they also understood that God's plan was not for them to escape, but to save the jailer's life who was ready to take his life, thinking everybody would escape. And because they did that, because they, they saved his life, then he and his whole family were saved eternally as well. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's how he worked in the early church and that's how he will work in our church if we are obedient to him. We're the same church today as in that dispensation. Christ went away and he said he's going to return and leave his Holy Spirit. He hasn't returned yet. So we have the same opportunities and all that we could be made ready for that type of ministry.
Let's pray. Lord God, we know it's not you. We know uh, from your word that the reason we don't see what your church saw in Acts is, is not because your Holy Spirit is not here, but a lot has to do with us and our disobedience and our unwillingness to go and do what you called us to do. Lord, we, we admit that. We say we are sorry today, Lord, and we do ask for opportunities again. Lord, we want to go back. We want to share the gospel with those who you asked us to, who we didn't share with. We want to uh, go and do the other things that your Holy Spirit has told us to do that we put off. And Lord, we know this hurts you. And we know that this blocks, gets in the way of our communication with you. And we don't want this, Lord. As your church, we can't afford that. We need your Holy Spirit to be active in, in, your, in this world today and in our hearts, Lord. So we repent of our sin, Lord, and we ask you to forgive us and to give us those opportunities back, Lord. And Lord, in our confusion, when we don't understand your ways, help us not to lose hope, but help us just have patience in, in our suffering or in whatever circumstance that you have put us in, knowing that you are faithful, Lord. Give us, Lord, patience as, uh, as Paul and Silas had uh, in that prison, that, that we would worship you in the midst of trials, Lord, when we're in pain and and uh, when we don't understand, we just ask you to, to know that you are with us. Please allow us to believe your word in those times with this faith that we don't have. As we turn to worship you, fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, please be, make us usable again in your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.